Ryan is 15 years old, a sophomore in high school, and he lives in Northern California. And we're only using his first name for reasons that will become clear in a moment. Sometimes, late at night, strange music comes from behind his bedroom door. Ryan is a bit of a musician. He plays the violin. And one night, as he was scrolling through YouTube videos, he heard this strange variation on a classical song he knew. I said, this is, I know exactly where this is from. This is just a verbatim copied from somebody else's music. The first few uh, few measures of the song, or not the first, like the main theme of the song is stolen from uh, Carl Jenkins, who wrote Palladio, which is where it was stolen from. It had been transformed from a classical song to a head-banging heavy metal one by an organization Ryan had recently become obsessed with, the Wagner Group. They lifted the song, it seems, without permission, which drove young Ryan crazy. I don't really see anybody mentioning that that the person who wrote the song about Wagner is meant is like violating copyright. Which seems almost beside the point, because copyright infringement is probably the least of people's concern when it comes to the Wagner group. They're the private Russian army that may now be best known for committing atrocities in Ukraine. The group has been working behind the scenes for years to help Vladimir Putin extend his reach around the world. They're protecting local government officials in Mali. They're mining blood diamonds in the Central African Republic. And most recently, were front and center when the Ukrainian city of Bakhmud finally fell to Russian forces. And the more Ryan looked into Wagner after he heard that song, the more fascinated he became by them. Ryan said his obsession with studying Wagner probably got its start a few years ago, when he was 12. He became intrigued by how much he could discover about the world just by piecing together disparate clues online. And at first, he did simple things, like identify pictures on the web and find exactly where they were taken on a map. And then he moved on to more complicated things. Uh, what was the first sort of like thing that you discovered that you thought was really cool? Through geolocation, I was able to figure out where a, a drone attack occurred in Odessa. I actually felt like I had accomplished something. Odessa, like the major seaport in Ukraine. And then, as Ryan was learning just how much he could discover about the world just by sitting in front of his computer, Russia invaded Ukraine. At which point, he started to focus his sleuthing on the war. There are so many videos and images and information coming out of this event every day that you can really go in and analyze what's happening just based on open source information online. What he was doing is a thing known as open source intelligence. He started trying to figure out who exactly was fighting, what kind of Russians were supporting the war, and why. And these roads kept leading him back to one place, the Wagner Group. They're hard to miss, even if you're just studying the war from afar like Ryan was. Their online presence is massive and everywhere. There's songs about Wagner that are playing on the radio in Donetsk and Luhansk. They're releasing rap videos. And they've actually made like propaganda films about Wagner. There's films about Wagner's training. Among other things, he discovered their crazy GoPro battle videos. 
This was a multimedia extravaganza aimed at convincing young recruits to come join the fight. What Ryan didn't know at the time was that those tactics weren't something Wagner dreamed up. Like that song that first caught his attention, Wagner swiped all those recruiting techniques from another group, one that managed to lure literally tens of thousands of people to fight in Syria. And that group was the Islamic State, or ISIS. I'm Dina Temple-Raston, and this is Click Here, a podcast about all things cyber and intelligence. Today, we look at the Wagner Group's unusual recruiting efforts, strategies they appear to have taken straight from ISIS. What's ironic is that the Wagner Group was largely created some 10 years ago, essentially for the purpose of fighting ISIS in Syria. The tricks of the recruiting trade Wagner learned back then are advancing their current effort in Ukraine now, and it appears to be incredibly effective. Stay with us. If you're looking for a daily guide to cybersecurity news and policy, sign up for the Cyber Daily from Recorded Future News. It serves up the day's most interesting and important cyber stories from our sister publication, The Record, and then aggregates all of the big cyber stories you might have missed from news outlets around the world. Just go to therecord.media and click on Cyber Daily to get all you need to know about the world of cybersecurity right in your inbox. So are you just sort of scrolling through these Telegram channels while you're in class? So I, I wouldn't say in class. It doesn't sound great for me. But, um, <laughs> but you know, whenever I have some time. In other words, instead of playing Minecraft or hanging out with friends, Ryan started coming home from school every day to look for everything he could find about the Wagner Group. Then he started this blog, Nord's Int. His dad helped him set it up, and AI came up with a name. And people actually started following it. Professional researchers actually started tracking Ryan's work, commenting on it, adding to it. And the thing they all seemed to want to know was this. What compels people to join Wagner? And Ryan, in that way only a 15-year-old can, just decided to ask them. Of course, he couldn't say, I'm an open-source researcher in high school. They'd never respond. So instead, he started creating personas, people he thought might get Wagner's attention. I would just directly contact them and say, hey, I am interested in joining Wagner. Here is my information. He used ChatGPT to translate his messages into colloquial Russian. I was posing as a 22-year-old uh, recruit at the time. Uh, my father died, um, and my mother doesn't want me to go to Ukraine. That was the character I was using. The first time you did that, how long before they got back to you? Was it right away? It was like a few hours, yeah. Apparently, their HR department is very responsive. One of the group's recruiters in Russia began corresponding with him directly. He began asking Ryan questions about himself. Where did he live? What kind of fighting experience did he have? What were his long-term goals? You know, the standard job screening questions. I mean, typically, you message them you know, saying that you're interested in joining Wagner, and then they will ask you to to provide, you know, your documents, maybe say, they ask you, have you served in the military? Where, what's, what city do you live? Just to be clear, his parents gave us permission to talk to him about his research. And in return, we promised not to use his last name to keep them safe. The first time I did it, I was thinking like, you know, there is no way that this is actually happening. 
Some 9,000 of Wagner's troops are thought to have died in Ukraine already. So that means Wagner continuously needs more recruits. Just warm bodies, really. Not the best and the brightest, not the most ideologically aligned, just bodies. This, not so coincidentally, is exactly the position ISIS found itself in in 2013 and 2014, when it took over huge sections of Syria and Iraq. To hang on to that land, ISIS needed fighters, so it built a flashy recruitment campaign, complete with battlefield movies, catchy rap videos, and entire YouTube channels. By 2015, some 30,000 fighters from at least 85 different countries had joined the group. Most of them came from the Arab world, but ISIS's ability to recruit foreign fighters from Europe and the U.S. became a global phenomenon. If it sounds familiar, it should. This is what Wagner is trying to do. Its leader is a man named Yevgeny Prigozhin, and he led Wagner's battle against ISIS in Syria. What's become clear now is that while he was fighting them, he was taking notes on how they recruited. So Evgeny Prigozhin is trying to promote Wagner as a brand. More recently, Ryan had seen signs of Wagner moving their efforts into the real world with an aggressive advertising campaign. They even had a contest. If you took a picture with the billboard in the background showing you, you could claim Wagner Group merchandise at its like at a recruiting center, which they have, which they opened a bunch in gyms in March. In gyms, you mean like like where you work out? Yeah. So they opened recruitment centers in gyms, and it's just a table with one or two people sitting there with a Wagner flag on the desk saying, you know, we are recruiting for for Wagner. Um, you can come join us. Post your picture in front of the Wagner billboard, come meet with us at our recruiting booth at your local gym, and get a t-shirt or a thermos, and maybe a hard sell to come join the group. All of this marketing effort seemed to be paying off. The United Kingdom's Ministry of Defense and the Department of Defense in the U.S. estimate that Wagner has as many as 50,000 fighters in Ukraine. And a lot of what Ryan had been trying to understand in his research was why. So what entices so many people to join Wagner? Is it the money or is it something else? And the answer, in part, is that in their own way, Wagner targets a particular cohort, just like ISIS did. Young men down on their luck, isolated from society. ISIS preyed on young Muslim men. Wagner recruits in rural areas of Russia. It looks for people who have no jobs or no money or people fresh out of prison. People like this guy. My name is Marat Gabidulin. I am farmer, Wagner Group. And we'll meet him. This is Click Here. Stay with us. Hello, I'm Adam Fleming from the Global Story podcast from the BBC World Service. We are looking at Lena Khan, the face of the US government's battle to regulate big tech. She's already redefined the way we talk about monopolies. Now she's taking on the likes of Amazon and Meta. But who is she and will she win? The Global Story brings you fresh takes and smart perspectives from BBC journalists around the world. Find us wherever you get your BBC podcasts. Politics has never been stranger or more online, which is why the politics team at Wired is making a new show, Wired Politics Lab. It's all about how to navigate the endless stream of news and information and what to look out for. Each week on the show, we'll dig into far-right platforms, AI chatbots, influencer campaigns, and so much more. 
Wired Politics Lab launches Thursday, April 11th. Follow the show wherever you get your podcasts. Murad Gabi Doolin joined Wagner in 2015, about a year after Russia illegally annexed Crimea. How, how did they recruit you? That was actually me who found them. I found out about them, and they specified the address, and I went there. We're speaking to him with the help of an interpreter. Murad fought under the Wagner banner in the Donbass region of Ukraine. One of those so-called little green men that fought in Crimea. He was part of the Wagner contingent that went toe-to-toe with ISIS in Syria. Before joining Wagner, he had a legitimate military career. He started as a Russian paratrooper back in 1993 and eventually rose to the rank of commander. And he was in charge of a Russian Air Force reconnaissance unit. But then he ran into some trouble. He said there was an administrative error that led to his separating from the military. And then shortly after he got out, he says he got tangled up with a crime boss in Moscow. I ended up shooting him. And as a result, I was sentenced to prison time and I was in prison. It was a difficult period of time for me. I was under a lot of stress. I didn't know uh, if I would succeed anywhere else, and I thought that this would be a good place to start. He wasn't sure if anyone would hire him after his time in prison, until he started talking with the Wagner Group. And to join the Wagner Group, it did not matter whether you have criminal history or not. The recruiter was completely unfazed by the murder charge against him. In fact, Wagner recruits heavily in his exact demographic, people with rap sheets, probably because they know people like him are desperate for work. So they were like, yeah, yeah, prison, that's fine. We just want to know if you know how to fight. And then they sent him to a kind of boot camp to see if he really did. I arrived to the station that they specified. It was like a military tent uh, with the command personnel in there. So I went in, I showed my documents. Uh, They put me on the list of candidates, and then they started testing. And testing included, you know, my knowledge of the military, uh, my physical condition, my medical condition. Uh, Then there was an interview, including the polygraph. Were you there for hours? Two days. He was essentially interviewing for a job as a private soldier, which they wanted to make clear had all the downsides of being a regular one. Uh, During the first conversation, they tell you right away that the purpose why you're there is to participate in the war. And everything can happen. You can die, you can get killed, you can become disabled. uh, So you have to make up your mind now and decide if you want it or not. Murat worked and fought for Wagner for four years. He said his last job was being a kind of aide-de-camp to Wagner's leader, Prigozhin. 
He started appointing commanders to different uh, units and groups, not based on their military uh, background, but rather based on how close they were to him. Basically, they could do whatever they wanted. They were like little uh, kings or czars. So he left. The thing about the Wagner Group is that while it's been around for nearly a decade, until recently, it didn't officially exist. For years, Russian law prohibited the very existence of mercenaries and private military contractors. But the Russian parliament recently allowed an exception to that, so Wagner could operate more openly. Wagner is increasingly treated openly as a tool of the Russian state. Katrina Doxy is a researcher at the Center for Strategic and International Studies in Washington, D.C., and she tracks terrorist groups, and she says people tend to see Wagner as a private military contractor, but actually, it's much more than that. Soldiers for Hire is just a small part of what they do. They're a full-service paramilitary operation. Commercial entities, financial intermediaries, shell companies, basically this web of different entities that is as opaque as possible by design. That's to make it more difficult to track their activities, to hold them accountable. They may keep their operations opaque, but their leader, Prigozhin, puts himself out there all the time. This is a video he released to declare that Wagner had seized the contested Ukrainian city of Bakhmut. The video is really rudimentary. The wind is blowing, Prigozhin is wearing a helmet and a flak jacket, and he's trying to keep hold of a Russian flag in front of him. But the wind keeps whipping it around. A bunch of Wagner mercenaries are standing behind him. And while he says they were now in control of the city, if you listen closely, you can still hear a barrage of artillery fire. So the fight was still going on. Since Putin gave them his seal of approval, Wagner's become more public. And the marketing blitz that Ryan in California saw has only been ramping up. There are new songs. Boring month in civilian life? Chicks, cash, vanity, the lyrics say. I want to blow up tanks. I want to blow up the enemy. There are new videos with fast cuts of the war, a flash of tanks, explosions, guys in camo, all to the beat of the music. Wagner has also started buying ads on Pornhub, an international pornography website. In this one, a woman's voice says in Russian, we're the most fucking badass private army in the world. We recruit from all of Russia's regions. Don't jerk off. Go to work for PMC Wagner. Apparently, that kind of logic works on someone. Murat, the Wagner soldier who left the group in 2019, said he's seen the latest Wagner media blitz. I watched two movies, and that was it. I mean, I couldn't watch anymore. He couldn't watch because of the way they twist things or make events up. So what upsets you about the movies is not emotional, something that reminds you of the fight. What upsets you is the lies? Yes, and everything is, is very untrue. 
The fight Wagner has put on the screen shows its soldiers as heroes, being welcomed by local crowds, which, Murat said, is not at all what he saw when he fought with them. That's part of why he got out in 2019. Since then, he settled in France and wrote a book about his experience. But since the war shows no sign of slowing down, the Wagner group doesn't either. Their appetite for recruits is just getting more voracious. At this point, they need to hire as many people as possible to fill their ranks. And for that reason, uh, they're trying to hire anyone who is able to hold a gun. Or, it turns out, anyone who can hold a keyboard. Katrina Doxy says Wagner has started advertising not just for people willing to hold a gun, but for people with technical expertise as well. Now, hey, are you a tech guy? Are you into coding? Do you want to think about an application of those skills where you can further our mission? Ryan, that amateur sleuth in California, says they're also starting a kind of community outreach program to lure coders into the Wagner fold. It's still on a small scale, but Ryan has been seeing invites to Wagner events, get-togethers with people his age. Come hang out at the Wagner Center, they say, play Counter-Strike, or go on a field trip with us to a museum, learn how to hack a drone, or crack into a network. In fact, Ryan spotted just such an announcement in the Wagner Telegram channel. And in that case, they were sponsoring a hackathon and a competition on another hot technology right now. An AI-generated art competition you know, with different themes like Russian soldiers or something like that. And what I see is that this is a way to kind of target younger people who have the skills that they want. Or that they'll need in the future. Yes, yeah, definitely. Katrina Doxy says Wagner adding cyber to the portfolio makes perfect sense. It'll be another tool Prigozhin's Army for Hire can offer clients as they move from grinding ground wars to battles in cyberspace, too. If, indeed, Wagner is trying to expand its cyber capabilities, I think it's perfectly reasonable to assume that this is, in part, based on just the realities of modern warfare and perhaps an expectation that Wagner will increasingly be involved in these more complex multi-domain operations. As effective as Wagner's efforts have been, not everyone is being taken in. Yes, it's, it's just, oh, please, one minute. It's one of our hero called to me. Uh, one, just, just one minute. Vladimir Oseshkin is the founder of Gulag.net, and he helps Russian dissidents escape from Russia. Some of his clients are former members of the Wagner group. He's taking a call from one of them now. Sorry for this. Uh, it's ex-soldier of Wagner Group, Azamat Uldarov. And uh, now he he's at home. And I sent to him a message that after one hour I will call you. Is he okay? Yes, it's, it's okay. He's it's okay. okay. It's now he's free. It's, it's okay. Not, not, no problem. Vladimir lives in Paris, where he says he's been taking a lot of calls from people desperate to get out of Russia, including members of the Wagner Group many of whom have grown tired and afraid of the atrocities they're being asked to participate in, which happens to be another thing they have in common with ISIS. When I contacted ex-members of Wagner Group 
it's the same. It's the same. They created the fear, to, to they created the scare of the tortures to be killed. It's terroristic organization. Wagner Group and ISIS, a lot of things that they do together. And it's very horrible to all the world. Even so, Wagner's recruiting doesn't seem to be missing a beat. As long as there are young men desperate for adventure, the Wagner Group is likely to keep finding them and reeling them in. This is Click Here. Here are some of the top cyber and intelligence stories of the past week. Russia's telecom giant, Telecom, may provide government officials with mobile phones running on their Aurora operating system, a domestic alternative to Western software. The Russian government is in talks with the company over the potential acquisition of up to 2 million mobile devices over the next three years, according to company officials. The company made those plans public the same day Russia's Federal Security Service, or FSB, accused U.S. intelligence of hacking thousands of Apple phones to spy on Russian diplomats. According to reports from Russian media, Vladimir Putin instructed government employees to exchange their iPhones for smartphones of any other brands back in March. The Kremlin also reportedly announced at the time that it would purchase new secure phones for its employees to ease the transition away from American technology. The U.S. government issued sanctions last week against an Iranian cloud technology provider, saying it helped facilitate Tehran's internet censorship during the Masa Amini protests at the end of last year and into the spring of 2023. The Treasury Department's Office of Foreign Assets Control said Arvin Cloud helped leaders in Tehran to set up a parallel internet within the country that allows the government to more easily control access to online information. After the death of Amini while in custody of police, protests swelled across Iran, and the government restricted access to the internet and social media. The OFAC statement said Arvind Cloud has a close relationship with Iran's intelligence services, including the Ministry of Intelligence and Security. And the company's executives have extensive ties to senior Iranian government officials. The implication is that they throttled the internet at their behest. And finally, City services in Dallas are getting back to normal after a ransomware attack took down networks of several key agencies on May 3rd. Dallas municipal courts were shuttered for almost a month. The offices reopened last Tuesday, but the city said trials and jury duty were still on hold. The Texas city has slowly restored much of its network since the Royal Ransomware Gang claimed responsibility for the attack that caused significant damage to systems used by police, the fire department, courts, and critical infrastructure. Police officers have been forced to take handwritten notes, while firefighters said they're walking into dangerous situations blind without the typical information that a dispatcher would provide. I'm Dina Templerest. I'm the executive producer and host of the show. Sean Powers is our senior producer and marketing director, Will Jarvis is our producer, and Sarah Wyman is our writer-reporter. The show was mastered by Gabriella Glick. Our editing team is led by Karen Duffin and Lou Wolkowski. Darren Ancrum does our fact-checking. And our theme and original music compositions are by Ben Levingston. We also use music from Blue Dot Sessions. 
And we'd love to hear from you. Please leave us a review and rating wherever you get your podcasts or send us an email at clickhere at recordedfuture.com. Check out our website with details about our shows and our whole show catalog at clickhereshow.com. That's a wrap for this week. I'm Dina Templerest. We'll be back on Tuesday. Looking for more of the cybersecurity and intelligence coverage you get on Click Here? Then check out our sister publication, The Record, from Recorded Future News. You'll get breaking cyber news from reporters in New York, Washington, London, and Kiev, among others. And you'll see for yourself why it attracts hundreds of thousands of page views every month. Just go to the record.media.